friends Don't be such a silly grin It's the same old thing We've checked the dictionary Now here's a commentary On life abroad and all it brings Immigrants, expats We are British and black Living across the sea So why don't you join us and just we nats and pour yourself a cup of tea in the morning as you listen to our podcast weekly our podcast weekly welcome back to expat immigrant my name is natalia and this is my voice my name's kat and this is my voice my name is saida and this is my voice <gasps> guys we have a special guest on our show we're triplets today we are triplets we have a third sister here and her name is saida sister from another mister yes in fact (laughs) not no no relation (laughs) just in case we confuse people yeah but we have saida who is an expat immigrant yes living in geneva indeed and working for your own company called foster inclusion indeed tell us what you do tell us about your company Well, um, so my name is Saida Gomez-Fleury, and I'm an independent diversity and inclusion consultant. So in essence, I help organizations uh, design uh, diversity and inclusion initiatives, and I help them with their strategies. And with that, I also help them with some of the uncomfortable discussions that uh, DNI leads and executives have in sort of going about the diversity and inclusion space. Fantastic. Are your clients worldwide or are they based in this region? Multinational for the time being. And I'm trying to work to break into sort of uh, local organizations within Geneva. But for now, I practice primarily in English. And I would have to sort of like, I guess, improve or expand my practice um, so that I can deliver services in French as well. Oh, fantastic. That's amazing. But first of all, I mean, we are expat immigrant podcast I want to know how you got to where you are now so where do you live I moved to Geneva basically in 2008 yeah with the gentleman who is now my husband oh she put a he put a ring on it yeah actually two two <laughs> he put two rings two. on me Uh-oh. long story though long oh, story we want to hear it she's version. like one ring is not enough <laughs> Well, I mean, I think it comes along with uh, like sort of the expat journey and adjusting to your new um, environment and stuff. So we had a lot of ups and downs. Yeah. Yeah. We had a few breaks and uh, we were engaged a first time in like, I think it was 2009 or something. What? Oh, I'm not going to share too much information because he's not here. But uh, no, that's fine. Yeah. We'll talk off air. (laughs) (laughs) And all our nosy listeners, mind your business. What? Yeah, and then um, and then in 2018 we got married. So oh, <coughs> that's wonderful. Yeah. So yeah. how long have you been together in to- for the total of your relationship? Oh gosh, that is um, that is another long story. Wow. So <laughs> the abridged version yeah. is we met in 1999. Wow. Yeah, I was uh, my third year of university. I was studying at uh, l'université de Rouen in France mm-hmm. on a formal exchange program and um, we met. Uh, it took a while for me to sort of get used to French culture and French men because so very different <laughs> from yeah. like 
growing up in Scarborough. Well, that's Kevin, another episode. Very quickly, because we didn't even mention where Saida is from. So where where do you come from? Yeah, the the famous question. So I'm born in Toronto or Toronto, as we pronounce Toronto. it. Toronto. And um, I was raised in Scarborough. Uh, when I was a baby, I spent about two years in Trinidad, so I have um, I don't have too many memories of that experience. And then I so grew up in Scarborough, which is uh, the east side of uh, Toronto, and I um, I spent a year in France on exchange, and then I moved to Switzerland in two thousand and eight. Mm. Oh, that's amazing. You've been here for such a long time. And yeah. so you probably have a lot, a lot of wealth, experience and knowledge. Yeah. I think one thing that we want to do is uh, with this platform is sort of um, open up the uh, world of living as an expat. We call ourselves expat immigrants because, you know, we're black as well. We're probably perceived as immigrants. And maybe that's something that you could speak to as well, uh, coming from your your background. On, oh, definitely. On, yeah. When you came, what was, I mean, h- how has your experience differed from the first time you traveled? Like you were you were younger, it was part of your studying, and then you decided to come back again and live abroad again. So, okay. Um, I'm a, I'm a pretty pragmatic person, so the first response that comes to mind is taxes. Like oh. traveling as a student is one experience, and then traveling as like a full grown adult, you know, working, etc. That's for me. That's the first thing that comes to mind. But when I first went to France, I had no idea what to expect. Yeah. So I was totally like naive and open, and my only sort of like. The only thing I thought of when I thought of France was like Jean-Paul Gaultier. Mm, and uh-huh. I thought that all the women would be like these so tall, chic. slim <laughs> models with like short, dark hair and super chic and stuff. And um, the reason I decided to go to France is that I had um, the opportunity to do the the exchange program. And my godfather was actually uh, head of, um, of a school at my university, York University. And uh, so I, you know, I presented the list to him and it was like uh, Rouen, Rennes, there was a university in Morocco. And I mean, I had like, I had no idea how to make the choice. So I just said to him, where should I go? And he's like, go to Rouen, it's a beautiful city or a little town, you know. And so I picked based on that. So I had zero expectations and the internet at that time wasn't what it is today. Yeah. So like my ability to research ahead of time, you know, was very, very limited. So... And then um, on the plane, I was like, oh, oh, shit. I'm going to France for a year. <laughs> and I know no one. Oh my Did God. you speak some, French at the time? A little bit. Well, yes, because uh, my parents had enrolled me in a French immersion program. So I grew up learning French, but I didn't learn French in like a French context. Mm-hmm. It was, I went to school, learned vocabulary words, learned grammar, mm-hmm. but I was never given the opportunity to really like immerse myself in a French speaking context to understand why people think the way they do and why they express themselves the way they do. Fantastic. So did you only have one choice? Was it just one choice out of three? to go to university, Rouen, France, or Mor- uh, Morocco, Morocco? And I think there were two more, but I oh, don't remember okay. them. There were about five uh, other universities uh, with which my university had a formal exchange yeah. accord. Oh. So, and then like, so I had these two big suitcases and um, 
I get to Charles de Gaulle Airport and I'm like, I don't know where to go. Like I had written down all of the directions that my godfather had, had yeah. helped me with. Do you know, I'm rem- those were the days where you literally had to write down exactly. your directions and you can't refer to Google <laughs> Maps. You can't refer to, you can't just quickly, you know, search for something. No. You literally, you, uh, you know, right. at the time of leaving, you have, you have to have your thing written down and that's what you're referring to. Unless you're asking for directions. And then, and then you've got to actually speak to people and ask directions, <laughs> Catherine. <laughs> Oh my God. After a long trip, first trip. And yeah. So I didn't, I had to take like the RER and then something else and then, and then the TGV from oh uh, Paris, uh, Saint-Lagarde to uh, La Gare de Rouen. And I finally got to La Gare de Rouen, the train station. And I was so tired. And I was at that point thinking, I'm absolutely mad. And I walked, wheeled my two big suitcases out outside the train station and I just started to cry oh, oh I can totally understand that yeah. such yeah. a long journey all this oh effort my God. And making your way on the air uh, uh, is quite difficult isn't it and TGV oh, is so it's nuts isn't it you don't know where you're going you have to look where the train's coming from where it's yeah. heading to it's nuts everything was totally new and I mean like the French are quite I would say aggressive compared to what I grew up with mm. and not in a negative way, but mm. they're just very like in yeah. your face. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh my God, like, mm-hmm. well, you know, what's going on? So I cried. And, um, it's so funny because, uh, two girls, I, th- they were also students at the university. They saw me and they looked at me like, what's wrong with this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why is she crying? And so they approached me and I was like, like, I just arrived and I don't know where I'm going. Oh, and nice. so I gave them um, just the like the sheet with the name of the my uh, university residence and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And they loaded my two big suitcases in their teeny tiny car and oh, they gave me a ride to the residence. So it was so like, nice. yeah. Do you know what? Is. That's what I love about traveling when you meet those good golden people yeah, who yeah, just totally. rescue you in your time of need oh, and totally. just uh, you know pack you up in their car and take you you have some beautiful moments like that on exactly. on, on trips abroad we talked about your work yeah yes uh, can i ask you how how many jobs you have done since you have been in uh, in France or Switzerland, how many roles have you? How many have you done oh, different jobs? Or that's a really good question. We're going to talk about what you're doing now, but I just was interested in in, in the what, lead up to it. Yeah, I worked. So when we first moved here, this is kind of technical. I had a B permit, but it was listed sans activité, oh. which means no activity. I was a legal resident, but I wasn't permitted to work. That in itself is another drama. But a few months later, I ended up working as a drilling assistant in the oil and gas industry. So, yeah, I mean, no previous experience in uh, the oil and gas industry. I think I was very, very lucky. I actually had two job offers, one for HSBC as an executive assistant and the other uh, in the oil and gas industry. And so um, and again, it's amazing how things are when I think back to like my decision making process. The reason I had picked that company is that it was a 10-minute walk from where I was living. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Makes sense to me. You know, it's funny because sometimes, like, I mean, I plan a lot and I'm pretty clear on my goals and I do everything to achieve them. And sometimes it takes a very long time. Sometimes I'm not successful. And then sometimes I'll make a random choice that doesn't seem to have any 
like logic behind it and it's one of the greatest choices wow. ever it's so weird yeah. how that works Can yeah. I ask, what is a drilling assistant uh basically an assistant within the drilling department so um the company i was working for had oil mining licenses or had um, assets in sub-saharan africa so nigeria uh gabon in west africa and in herbal and it was amazing because it gave me the opportunity to travel to Gabon, my first time on the African continent. And so, I mean, again, you know, I made a random choice because yeah. the place was close to where I lived and it opened my world wow. to so many new experiences and to different cultures, which actually gives me so much insight into the work I do today. Yeah, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one thing I think as well for like, why we would always promote like traveling yeah. and always and also living abroad because it just opens up your eyes to so much so many possibilities but so many um, experiences yeah. as well and I think that's what I want people to kind of take away from our podcast as well if, if yeah. anything like traveling and getting to know people but also like you said having these um seemingly random decisions yeah. that just turn out to be amazing choices yeah. i remember when i was living in spain once and i just took a random decision to go to a particular um internet cafe back in those days yeah, yeah. <laughs> back in those, you know what i'm talking about totally. you had to go to an internet cafe you had to spend a couple a euro or so and all those for about kids an playing their games yeah. and you have to wait for space yeah. yeah and i took this particular one and then the guy ended up becoming and a friend and he was the one who helped me find my flat that yeah. I was going to live in because yeah. he knew a girl looking for a housemate ah. and that's how I met one of my best mates yeah. who we're still in contact today yeah. and it's beautiful I and love you know what I mean? but it's this having this openness and this kind of like I'm just going to make a decision yeah. I'm just going to you know and it can turn out that yeah. way but let's go on to um, what you do now yeah. foster yeah. inclusion yeah, yeah, yeah. this is such an amazing um time for um, yeah. your line of work. Can you speak about it? Is it something that you've been thinking about for a long time to do or has perhaps recent events made you realize, okay, this actually needs to be something that I help organizations with and businesses with this is quite imperative? Yeah, it's actually a combination of things. So like um, I would say that I developed a mild obsession with diversity and inclusion when I was a kid. Because, mm -hmm. uh, like I mentioned before, I was in the French immersion program, and most of the people in the program look or looked differently from me. You know, yeah. um, sort of my demographic characteristic wasn't represented within the program itself. And so I was always the only one, the only little black girl in all my classes. Mm -hmm. And then later on within um, at university and then uh, in the professional world, I was always either the only one or one of two or three. And so this is the type of thing that sparked my curiosity very early on as to like, why is that? You know, just a general sense of curiosity. And then, um, and then with a combination of, um, I went back to business school in 2016 and got my MBA. And part of the program was this thing called a leadership stream, which sounds so pretentious. <laughs> I know, like it sounds totally pretentious, yeah. but it, it actually had a lot to do with reflective leadership. So we looked at concepts like individuation. We looked at things like um, like putting the proverbial fish on the table in conflict negotiations. 
Um, we looked at all of these sort of the, like notions of um, authorization and deauthorization and sources of power. And when I graduated, I thought, wow, this is really transformative. Like initially my objective was just to make basically as much money as possible. Mm -hmm. And then I took a step back and thought, no, there's something deeper going on within me. And then after that, I traveled to uh, South Africa to volunteer. Uh, my husband and I bought a home. We got married. We had the baby. And I looked at sort of the recurring patterns and themes throughout my life, professional, personal, academic travels. And diversity and inclusion were always there in some mm. capacity. Like I worked for another company, still in the oil and gas industry, for example. And um, I think I can say this, it's not confidential. And the company has since changed names, so I can say this. But uh, we had operations in Iraq, and I would travel there frequently. And wow. part of... Um, my job, I was a contracts and procurement coordinator, was also, I volunteered um, on community initiatives, doing outreach programs in the local um, um, Kurdish community, because that helped to foster a more sort of business-friendly environment for operations. So it's always been there. And then recently, I realized that there is a definite market for this. Like, mm. this is a service that I could probably offer and make a little bit of money. I'm not looking to, like, you know, become a gazillionaire or anything, but just... But you're looking to have a career and to sustain yeah, yourself. Yeah, exactly. And your Earn a living. Yeah. Earn I a can living. say yeah. to my daughter, this is what I do. And then my daughter is another factor as well. While I was pregnant to her, I thought, how am I going to explain identity to her? Mm. Like, what approach will I take? At which stage? What do I look for in my daughter? Did you um, come up with a conclusion? Because I have no idea. <laughs> you know, it's, because I mean, like, this concept of diversity, there's so many dimensions to it. Mm. It's so complex. Like, I mean, your son, he has more than one passport. Yeah. Um, there is. So there's for context. My son um, is is of mixed heritage. So French, uh, French, white and black, obviously British Jamaican. And for for your daughter. Uh, yeah, she's um, well, we got our Swiss passports at the beginning of the year. So she has a Swiss passport. She was born in Switzerland. Mm her daycare her schooling seems to be it'll all be in switzerland and then um my family is from trinidad and tobago i was born in canada uh, my father recently applied or reapplied for a trini passport so i'll be able to oh. do the same thing which means that she'll have a trini passport and if she becomes a sports star she can play for trinidad for trinidad exactly oh my god Choices. Get the Jamaican passport. And she has a French passport as well. So it's like four nationalities, two languages. You know, I'm a black woman. Her father is very white, you know. So it's like, you know, how do how do I have this conversation? So what did you come did you come up with a a plan on how to discuss not Certain. really. And it's, I think that I will let her curiosity guide mm. um, my sort of, I don't want to say intervention, but anything I have to say. And I'll also see what the environment says as well. Like if she gets comments or mm. if, um, yeah, or if she's asked certain questions and she comes to me with it, then I will. Um, yeah. But there's one thing, people think I'm bonkers when I say this, but there's one thing that I would like to 
a build slowly within her. And that's the understanding that this thing called race is a social construct mm. and what that actually means. Like, I want to expose her relatively early to the concept of stereotypes and, um, and like archetypes, the things we see that reinforce certain messages about certain people and to get her to, to develop the ability to be an individual person who can say, I see this, I understand why someone may project something onto me, but I am this person. Like I want her to be really grounded in her own identity. That's brilliant. It's wow. absolutely amazing, isn't it? That is amazing. Yeah. I'm going to have to follow on from you. Like yeah. you're going to have to show me how you do that because I think I think definitely that is something that, I think every child should hopefully have some kind of understanding about throughout their, you know, from the beginning of their life and have that sort of personal identity and, and understanding who they are, but also in the biggest, yeah, in the societal, biggest society, I suppose. Yeah. They're so interesting because most of what our ideas are come from other places, don't exactly, they? Exactly, from they the environment. environment, the press, the media, yep. what people are saying. So to be grounded and know... This is me. Yeah. This is what I believe about myself, but also about other people. Exactly. And as an expat immigrant, right, how do you deal with people's perception of you in another country? Um, it's I so it's a process and it's a journey. And mm. I think that I've made a lot of improvements because um so when I first moved to Geneva, um I was frequently asked, I am now, but with COVID, I'm not out as much. Quelles uh, sont vos origines? Mm. I used to hate that question. Maybe I still do. And Can you translate that for us? Okay, so, okay, here. Thank for, you for, for the listeners. Thank you for asking that question. So that was my first obstacle. Because I'm like, do they mean what's your background? Mm -hmm. Do they mean where were you born? Are they asking this because I'm Anglophone? So I couldn't quite grasp what the question means literally it means what are your origins right mm. and so um and i also assume that people would ask me the question as small talk like they want to bond with me so yeah. it's like an opener you know yeah and so i would say i'm from canada and okay i've had many people laugh in my face mm -mm. yeah <sighs> I've had people say, uh, mais non, c'est pas possible. Non. Uh -uh. You know, it's not possible oh. that, you know, uh, people from Quebec don't look like you. Yeah. Because in a francophone setting, when people think of Canada, they think of Quebec. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, actually, no, there's a huge, yeah. huge Anglophone yeah. part of the country, you know. Um, and so um, after a while, I noticed that, especially when I was with within groups of people, I was the only one who was asked the question, and I happened to be the only black person. So I was like, wait a minute, you know, my uh -huh. little data analysis in my brain, I'm like, oh no, that is not about wanting to know me as an individual. That is really like, you're singling me out. Like I'm with people from who, who are like, born in Hungary, for example, it may not show, but they're not from Switzerland or yeah. neighboring France and you're not asking them the question. And so like things started to click my brain, like maybe there's something more to this question. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing too is uh, with that question is context. Like frequently people will just ask me the question and then walk away. And it's like, I feel like I'm a data point yeah. in some sort of study that they're doing. So it took me a while to get used to being asked that question and now depending on the context and, and the person i'll probably have fun in replying to yeah. them yeah yeah oh i remember I, I would I've, i remember once um 
being at a bar just outside a bar and someone like where are you from no where are you really from and stuff yeah. like that I was like oh what, like, in 2016 really, but yeah, yeah cat like honestly like for for black um expat immigrants on honestly like i think it's such a thing that we have to always experience you know and and especially when you're coming from quite like a really multicultural place mm. like us we from london scarborough i'm not in yeah. toronto i'm you know i can just imagine of course it is incredibly multicultural so you're not singled out like that as you say and you're not like oh where are you from and it, and yeah when it's taken out of the sense of like curiosity i want to know more about you and oh i've traveled there and oh exactly. yeah do you know what i mean and it's taken like oh you know wanting to put you in a box or something like that it can be incredibly annoying and as well, like, I mean, I don't personally feel the need to um, be nice in my reply. It mm. depends what kind of day I'm having, to be fair. It depends how, literally, like you say, like how I feel. It depends how I feel at the time. Yeah. Like if someone's like, oh, where are you from? But where are you really from? Where's your mum really from? Yeah. Oh, that's not a nice <laughs> No, that's not nice. Sorry, that's my London. Sorry, it always goes back to your mum. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, sorry. no, I wasn't sorry. saying your mum is not nice. To, to, <laughs> yeah. to, say, to say where you really from. But yeah, wait, like if, that's not nice. If like, someone tells on. you I'm from here. And especially when you say, Saida, that, that there's people from all over the world, especially, you know, in Switzerland and Geneva particularly, there's people from every nation, so many yeah. nationalities, and they're singling you out. Yeah. One thing I did find, um, I just, uh, just remembered this thing that I... I found like uh, I was looking for I, I was sort of perusing about, um, about work like I was just trying to see what sort of companies I might want to work for and and um, and looking in Switzerland looking in Geneva and what I found like I would do research on a company like see maybe an opportunity say on LinkedIn or whatever and I would research the company and it was just always so disheartening, like just seeing like the faces of yeah. the people and it's just all white. Like it's literally like dejection. Like, and I think to myself, they are not gonna get someone like me in. And then I'm thinking as well, like th in their text, they're like, we are really diverse. And we, yeah. like, and I'm just like, do you know what it reminds me of? It's that meme, like that Spider-Man meme. Like, hey, 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 it's like, oh, a white Italian. Hey, but I'm a white Swiss and I'm a white <laughs> Spanish person. We're yeah. so diverse. And it's just like, come on. Like that, I don't think that they should be using that word diverse. What, and that's a personal opinion yeah. of mine from the outside, someone who has, you know, potentially trying to join companies and, and 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 be uh you know looking for work yeah when i see them use these languages like oh we're so diverse but then it's to represent who just different white people from <laughs> do you know what i mean like come on like not even asian people there not even like south asian like yeah. i'm not but, but when i go to geneva and when i see people in the streets everybody's there do you know what i mean you see black oh, people yes. there you see asian people there yeah. You see um, North African people there, Sub-Saharan African people yeah. there. Do you know what I mean? So, so w from your perspective and your line of work, like what? Oh, I mean, what can you speak about that? What What does that mean to you when when you see that well, sort of thing? Well, so there are a few things, and so the first thing is the sense of diversity washing. I'm sure you've heard the term before. So, um, I haven't diversity washing it's similar to green washing it's like basically you're putting up a front you're paying lip service to diversity equity and inclusion but truly your business is not at all reflective of the labor market like you're mentioning mm. it's not reflective of your customer segments it's really just to say we are diverse it's a sticker basically mm. 
And I mean, like, um, may he rest in peace with the death of George Floyd with that nine minute video that I still refuse to watch yeah. because I don't need to see it to know what ha what happens realistically. Um, I think and also because so many people were in lockdown, people had the time and the technology to actually see and to get a bit more insight into some of the injustices mm -hmm. that take place. And I think that that highly charged emotional and unjust moment really prompted organizations to say, hey, we want to do something. Like, I think that the intention is good. I'm, I'm trying not to be too cynical. And the follow through isn't necessarily there. And because many um, Western countries still have an imbalance in terms of like the caste structure, the ranking of people, it remains difficult within a company or within a not-for-profit or within, uh, you know, like um, um, a government agency to say we are going to favor diversity towards black people or towards people within the LGBTQ community or with respect to ability. So it's tough for organizations to really like wrap their whole sort of like mindset around all of the dimensions of diversity. And the other thing, too, is that I think that some leaders are reluctant to change because that also implies managing a level of uncertainty. And they may perceive that it may take away a little bit from their power and control in these current conditions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I did want to ask you about whether you're finding companies willing to engage you to seriously and, uh, you know, discuss diversity set out a strategy and address this issue are you finding that i mean are you finding that you're uh proposing things to maybe get new clients or clients are finding you and saying this is what we we really need to address this in our company please help us um um, I would say that it's a slow process mm. and I'm the one who's actively seeking out right. uh, clients right now. I see ads for diversity and inclusion specialists and stuff. And I think that um, in the case of publicly traded companies, for example, um, their main driver may be their ESG goals. And so they may not necessarily have the opportunity to look um to use my approach, which is to look at how diversity, equity, and inclusion can help your business from a pure business mm. perspective, i.e. how to um, have um, to create a better reflection of the labor market or how to um, engage the right people that understand the customer segments that you seek to serve so that when you get it could be AI, it could be whatever data, you have that insight in order to accurately interpret the data. Like, mm. I don't think organizations are there yet. And also, because, you know, I haven't been doing this for 20 years, I do have to say as well that many organizations at this moment in time are still trying to manage COVID yeah. and what that means for their, their businesses. And so their, their, their efforts are kind of like uh, scattered right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. What would you say to somebody who is starting a company, maybe a startup, a new business? How can they go about being mindful from the get go of 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 diversity and inclusion? 
Um, so the number one thing is to know your environment, to know your market. Um, and so that includes any regulations, any ESG um, um, goals that are set for your industry. Can I ask you what ESG yeah. means? I didn't ask you the first time. I don't know what that means. It's environmental social government governance. Right. So there is a big push to be... Uh, uh, environmentally responsible if you're a manufacturing company like yeah. uh, social um, and it, it, the term ESG in itself or this idea that companies have to sort of meet certain goals with respect to the environment or social uh, governance is quite controversial because it may put certain limits on some businesses but the reality is is that more and more shareholders, institutional shareholders in the US, for example, are requiring more diverse board members. That's part of the ESG goal. So if you're a small business, um, if you're just starting out, chances are you will not be publicly traded per se. But if you have a long-term um, time horizon and you foresee that, it's better to build in these things from the get-go so that you're, you're relatively yeah. agile. And the second thing, um, so know your environment, know the customers you're seeking to serve. What business are you really in? If you are, if you are starting out with a hair removal company, for example, right? Mm. Oh, and you're bringing that up because that's the next thing I want to bring up. Should I bring it up now? Right, guys, listen to this, guys, <laughs> listen. Listen to this, guys, all right? I hope you're listening. I can't believe my experience. Yesterday, not even yesterday, day before yesterday, I'm in our local town, walking around, taking it all in. It was early, it was in the morning, it was like 11. Then I see this place called <laughs> Yes, I'm gonna name them. <gasps> can I name know. them? You can name, you can, girl, you can do what you want. Because this is my true experience that's happened to me. Lived experience. My true lived experience, right? So I see <laughs> and in my little French, I'm like well, that's gotta be like, skin um hair removal and obviously summer's coming so girls thinking about like <laughs> gotta sort out hair removal let's get a professional now to look at this buddy yaddy yaddy okay let's get a professional so i'm looking on the outside but there's not much information there you can't really see what's what services they offer i'm at the window sort of looking and then there's a lady inside at a computer so i i i, I catch her attention i'm like can I, you know, because I'm thinking, let me just take a, a leaflet. I don't have time now. I've got my son with me. Let me just take a leaflet. And I saw in the window, like, it's like, you know, rendezvous only and whatever. So I said, uh, so she, she goes, opens the door. And she's like, sort of, can I help you? Kind of thing. And I said, est-ce que vous avez uh, quelques livres or quelques informations de le service? Is, do you have any information? Do you have any books or something I can take with me about the service that you offer? And she's like, no, uh, no she goes, uh, c'est pour vous, madame? Like, is it for you? I said, oui, oui, pour moi. She goes, oh, no, 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 c'est pas pour le noir, pas pour le jaune noir. Or, le jaune noir, or, I just heard, like, not for black people, basically. Mm -mm. This lady in this place, it's, it's like a esthetician what i thought it was i thought it could be like a beauty therapist place um called <laughs> you know told me it's not for black people she couldn't even say to me then i'm like i said what i was like 
that's racist. That's, that's it. No, I, but I was like, do est-ce que vous avez vous fait le wax? It's a wax or epilation? She was like, no, 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 madame. She, she was literally trying to get me away, wow. Saida. She was literally like, like, I can't help you. I can't, like, you're disturbing me. Oh, my God. It was horrific. I felt like, I was, first of all, I was stunned. My yeah. first emotion was, what the hell just happened? Then I sort of step back and she's she's sort of closing the door and I'm just like that's so racist like in English I'm like that's so racist like that can't be right like mm. you only so what you only serve white people like what the hell and then she goes excuse me like she heard me and I was like ça c'est raciste non ça c'est raciste que que vous uh, c'est juste pour le le genre blanc or the, oh no no excuse me I have to go she was like uh, je dois aller uh, j'ai un client j'ai un client she clearly did not have a client she was yeah. just standing there the, she was in the front on the computer and I was just like what the and I thought my, in my head I was thinking okay do I take a video like you know yeah. now we've got a phone in our hand do I just put it straight onto my stories that expert immigrant thing and put it on our stories or do I you know what do I do so I took a picture and then I'm thinking to myself okay <laughs> this lady didn't even tell me what bloody service they offered because yeah. yeah. then I'm thinking back to myself okay when I was in London years ago Oh, and actually, I said, oh, it's good. I said to her, on Londres, c'est possible avoir de l'épilation. She was like, no, no, pas ici, pas ici. Like, she was literally like, not here, bitch. I was like, what the fuck? Like, honestly, honestly. And she couldn't, do you know when, like, you're treated like, like, they just want you to go away. Like, I don't want any trouble. Like, I'm with my son, Kat. I'm with my son. And she's like, oh, no, I've got a client, I've got a client. So then I'm thinking to myself, okay, I don't, do I make a big stink now and, like, tag them and do all this stuff? But then I'm like, okay, I remember years ago, I had my lovely beauty therapist in London. My, she would wax me and she she's amazing. And I remember there was a thing like um, uh, laser hair removal. So I was like, oh, does laser, how, how does it work? And she explained to me yeah. the technology of laser hair removal at that time, like 10 years ago, yeah. was that like you, the laser is is identifying like, I mean, it, they said it would work best for people with pale skin and dark yeah, hair. Yeah, I remember Because that. the laser you know, targets the black hair or the dark hair and it doesn't target the, the pale skin so it's easier to work. So then I'm thinking, okay, um, so it could be that that they must offer laser hair removal. I don't know because she didn't even tell exactly. me what that she didn't even take the time to go, Madame, en fait c'est pas um pas pour votre uh, peau. It doesn't work for your skin colour because the laser works. It takes two fucking seconds to say that. Exactly. It literally it literally takes two seconds to say that. And I would have been like, okay, fine, fine. That, that, you know, because I don't even want laser hair. I just want to wax. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So I know what I want. I want to wax. So so then I'm thinking, but then I, I'm racking my brain. Like I follow some some like beauty people online. And I know there's one black girl that I follow who, who was getting laser hair. And I'm thinking to myself at the time, like, I'm sure she said she's getting laser removal. And then there's a there's a um, a beautician or a beauty doctor, she's called the skin doctor, who's amazing oh, yeah. online. Do you know her? Like no, a black but girl. I'm oh, she's amazing. Her, yeah. And she does all sorts of beauty treatments and she's very open to answering questions or whatever. And I'm thinking, I'm sure I've seen on her platform. I can't tell you, I don't know. But I, I was just thinking, I'm wondering if on her platform, she's mentioned about that. I don't know, but I don't know. So I went home. First of all, when I got to my car, Seda, I felt like crying. Like I it was know. going back over in my head. And you're with your Pat son. And I'm yeah. with my son. I'm yeah. just like, my God. Like, And I was just so shocked. And I just yeah. felt like crying. Like, what just happened? Like, I'm not a second class citizen. Exactly. Like, not, I don't deserve this. I'm just literally asking for information about exactly. your thing. I'm not disturbing. And You're I would have walked. Do you know sector. what I mean? It's a, 
Anyway, so then, and then I'm just like, okay, I just want to pull myself together. I don't want to make a big fuss of this, but, you know, why? if I wanted to cry, I could have cried. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to put that on myself. But when I got home, I did a Google search, like a quick Google search, like, can laser hair removal, because I'm making the assumption that it's a laser hair removal. Still to this time, I don't even know if Wait, it's Wait, do you see all the work you're doing from a, like, oh, a brief encounter already? From a brief yeah. encounter. So I'm going home now, Googling, does laser hair removal? And then the first thing there's, I see one of the things is like a glamour, a glamour magazine article, which is like, yes, laser hair removal can be done yeah. on black women. Like, the technology has, has been, developed. Yeah. So, so there's tech that has developed now and so I'm thinking, so if this company are saying that they do not treat black women, they are choosing not to have the latest tech, but they're saying, oh, we're the latest tech. We've got the latest. And they're called, even called bloody Oh, <laughs> gosh. You know, what kind of tech you got? Because I would want the latest tech, surely. You've got to keep up with the market. And, the, yeah. and, and if there's they technology. Care. They don't want to service the black and, women. And I could look not around, believe it. Like, and in this place, say exactly. that there's so many black people Customers in this place. Electricity. And, and that is oh like, so this is like, so in the sort of B2C space, this is the classic example of how, in my opinion, a lot of small uh, to mid-sized companies are losing value. They're leaving value on the table because, so I don't want to make the assumption that this individual's re, um, actions reflect the entire, the entire company. Okay, let's put that out there. Don't want to make the Don't want to get um, people's uh, giving us, uh, what, what's that legal thing they call? Uh, disclaimer. They disclaimer. Yeah, disclaimer. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. No, well, it really did happen, but allegedly it's this company. And no, at it's the not. Same it's time, definitely, this woman was representative exactly. of this company at that time, but it could be that it is a branch or it is a, um, what's the word that they use? Uh, the, it's a the franchise. franchise. Yeah. It could be a franchise and this woman does not represent the entire company. And at the same time, she is the face of the brand for you during that interaction. And so, yes. you know, when you told me the story, I was like, I felt like, I felt, I felt you, yeah. you know? And um, in the photo that you had sent, I saw the reflection of I'm like, does he need to see his mother experience yeah. this? Like, yeah. So for me personally, it, it really impacts me. And then from a business perspective, I'm like, do they want to grow their business? Like, <sighs> like, is this the business they're really in? Or maybe it's a front for something else. Like, what business are you really in? Yeah. If you are, especially after COVID, when people haven't been haven't been going out you know like uh, many stores have reported that uh, that their revenues haven't been as high as previous years you would think that they would jump yeah, on an opportunity exactly. to at least say if we don't have the technology in-house this is why perhaps you can think of this like they would want to engage you in yeah. some way and if i find out they do even facials or massages <laughs> yeah. there i will flip because yeah. she didn't even know what exactly. i was coming for like i said can i have a booklet of your what you the services that yeah. you offer my experience of uh shopping in france and customer service is they love to upsell don't they every time we go remember you were buying a t-shirt for your husband the man was showing you socks and oh yeah i mean that yeah i know different things so i i I mean it's just probably not uh, two points that are linked but for for to go to a place and ask them what they do what saeed was saying if you can't offer me this then offer me something else but she didn't explain anything to you she didn't explain anything you know but but, when i was i told you in the telly the other day i went to the shop that was asking for she had any denim you know like jeans or a jean skirt and she's showing me black dress and a, a 
maxi dress and a this yeah, so and a that and a that. So you know to. how to. They That's know my how point. to. Yeah. And when I came home, and when I, when 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 John came home, I told him, "Oh my god, like you wouldn't." And he was so upset oh, and he was yeah. really angry. And he was like, "Who are they?" He was looking at the thing, and then I said to him, "Look, John, because in the same sense of what you're saying, like this business thing, like in terms of revenue, I said, Jonathan, black women, we spend money on ourselves. Yeah. Oh, girl, when it comes to beauty, yep. I'm mm -hmm. sorry, like there's no excuse yep. now." And I was telling John, "Look, okay, he probably is a bit probably oblivious, but like when Fenty came along, started offering oh, yep. all those shades exactly. for us, right? And then all of a sudden, L'Oreal's like, oh yeah, we're gonna offer, you know, and every every other brand is like, oh, oh we're gonna do it now because they see yeah. that Fenty just killed the game. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because, but the fact is, black women will spend money on self-care, on our hair, on our um, makeup, on yeah. our whatever. Like, the, like, there's so much for, uh, for a business to gain yeah. financially by including black women. Yep. And the it, fact yep. that they didn't really shows yeah. How that they would prefer to lose out on money than serve a black person like that blows my mind. And it doesn't make sense. And for me, like um, you know, when I engage with people and I see sort of apprehension, I always wonder why. Mm -hmm. I mean, like if you have the um, that thing in you where you say I'm going to open my own franchise or my own store. You certainly have that thing in you that says, I need to figure out how to offer the strongest value proposition to as many customers as possible, right? Like, yeah. And so to make it that far and to be like, oh, no, we don't serve black people. It's like, like <sighs> that makes zero Ugh. sense whatsoever. Like, It's absolutely shocking. It is. It is very surprising. Yeah. And the other element, too, um, is that in 2021 with COVID, decentralization is growing enormously. And... Um, Tech is making entry barriers much lower for different types of businesses. And so what I'm seeing more and more is more specifically in the U.S. and even South Africa. I did an interview a few weeks ago. Um, a more black-owned businesses, especially black women. Um, there is one company in South Africa called CoronaNet uh, Blockchain. Speaking of hair, it made me think of this. Mm -hmm. And essentially, um, what the company has done, it's head by Pretty Kubayane and her husband. They've essentially sort of done a digital transformation of the entire supply chain for sourcing hair. Wow. And, you know, in a very short period of time, she's profitable. She's like, her revenues are very decent. Yes. Um, she has um, uh, 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 like a pretty decent sized network of uh, beauticians, salon owners, et cetera, buying into the network. And we're seeing this grow more and more. And then, if I may, it's difficult for me to have any conversation without mentioning Bitcoin. <laughs> but <laughs> in conjunction, decentralized um, currencies, mediums of exchange, assets, whatever you want to classify it as, and payment mechanisms between people yeah. are becoming easier and easier to access. And so what could happen is you can see like this fragmentation occur where companies that once dominated in the space are losing market share to a lot of small yeah. players yes. because they're not adapting holistically to the changing technological and demographic environment mm. wow that is absolutely um that is so interesting to me. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's something that you could absolutely see happening right now. Yeah. And I'm here for it. 
Do you know what I mean? I think I think it's only some. I think it's only good things that can come from that, especially when it comes to like beauty um, and black women profiting from the beauty industry. It's such a huge industry, so, like billions and billions, yeah. that you could say like you know I I I also thought at one point I was going to do like a beauty brand and a black hair brand and stuff like that, and I just was like I don't even need the whole pie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just need a <laughs> tiny little sliver. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll be good. Exactly. I'll be good. And so that actually really gives me a lot of joy to hear that you know the way that techno technology is moving forward. Yeah, it actually brilliant. is something that can benefit especially black women yeah yeah Yeah. and for black women living in the west i mean i am 42 years old you know i'm speaking about makeup i remember back in the day when i think i started wearing foundation when i was in my 20s because before then i had (laughs) access to zero colors that suited me gosh and then it was like Eman Cosmetics had a line, yes. but nothing was available in my area. And then it was Mac. It was Mac, Mac, Mac. Yeah. The Did only you have one. Sleek? No, I've never you heard of Sleek. sleek. No. Oh my God, Sleek is... <laughs> I've never heard sleek of Sleek. It must be a British uh, thing. Yeah, Sleek was um, a brand that you would get in the... Um, the beauty supply store uh, like you get yeah yeah it was quite it was it was affordable it wasn't like high as high end or as as expensive as mac but yeah. it, it serviced the the black yeah. woman sleek but yeah iman and um and mac yeah. and then uh yeah it was a french brand beauty brand it was black, black up. up yeah black, black up. up i yeah. saw that in paris yeah uh, yeah that was later than uh, yeah that came later that came later but all that to say that I personally have developed zero loyalty to any of these brands Mm. because I mean for me even back in like the early 2000s there was no excuse to not have a more diverse offering of products and stuff and so without probably intending to or knowing it I'm not trying to argue that they have like bad intentions or anything they've kind of like you know left uh, 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 millions and millions of, of, of black women in particular open and susceptible to go and jump off to another brand yeah. because they, they haven't sort of Clayton. built mm. that loyalty exactly mm. and that care and attention over the years. And so now it's like you have all of these little companies popping yeah. up and people don't mind changing yeah. and trying new things. That's brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, let's switch it up a bit. I just want to, um, before we uh, f- sort of finish, I want to know, um, you know, you're here, you're in Switzerland uh, I want to know what you love about Switzerland, and what is something from Switzerland that you you take back home, back to back to Canada. There are a lot of things that I love. Uh, this is going to sound so cheesy and so typical. But cheesy Swiss cheese. Yeah, cheese. <laughs> yeah, fondue. I take fondue. It's going to sound so fondue. I was thinking chocolate, but. <laughs> Fondue, chocolate, not as much. I like fondue, but um, so I grew up doing like playing a lot of sports and stuff. I'm very outdoorsy, and so I love the mountains and the lake. Yes, hiking, my thing. You know, um, you gotta take us. We, we I know, no, but but us. but Saida does proper hiking. You like. gotta take us for an unproper hiking. Two hours <laughs> is my max. The celeb is right there. We see it from here. Like we can meet up on one morning and just go like. Uh, I love hiking um, and I love, so of course, pre-COVID, how easy it is to travel to so many different places. Yeah. Like something else we need to do when things are up and running again, hop on a train, go to Paris, arrive at Gare de Lyon, yes. maybe spend a night or a day trip with the kids. Like yes. 
I love that about this region. Yeah. Like it's so easy to travel. Do um, people, can I ask you, in Canada, do you travel a lot internally? Do you find that or is it, is it, did you find that you do it more that you're here based in Switzerland, traveling up and down? I do it way more here. Yeah. And Canada is a huge country. Yeah, like gorgeous. I don't think, yeah, yeah. for uh, people uh, based in Europe who've never traveled to Canada, mm. I don't think they can quite grasp yeah. how big it is yeah. compared to France or yeah. Switzerland or anything. It's huge. And it's funny that you just asked that question because people from Toronto have the reputation of thinking Toronto is the center of the oh, universe. Yeah. And we don't London is, a, London is on yeah, the same. We don't go anywhere else. <laughs> I used to go to Montreal pretty frequently yeah. or I traveled to the US. Um, and then, like from Canada, I've been to Costa Rica. Like I traveled a bit, yeah. but nowhere nearly yeah. as much as yeah. here. Yeah. But that's so funny because I was having that conversation with John as well just the other day. Like I said, I th and I wondered, like other expats, you can tell me, like, do you travel more in your adopted country than you do in your home country? Because you know, John was saying, oh, we should go to um, Scotland one day, or we oh, should nice. do this, and I was like, I've never been, never been to Scotland, never been there, never. Been. And like, I've been to more places in France. Yeah. And when I talk about France, I'm like, oh, let's just go to Paris, or let's just yeah. go up to <laughs> Nantes. Oh, my friend's gonna come for she's gonna be in Nantes. Let's just go up to Nantes. And John's like, it's far. And then, but I would never talk like that in England. Exactly. If someone's like, "Oh yeah, look, I've got one of my best mates. She lives in Michika. Michika, if she's listening, she lives in uh, the Wirral near Liverpool, and I have not been up there yeah. to see her. And France is so much bigger than so, the UK. Exactly. I, could, I, I feel so ashamed of myself that I have not even been up to Liverpool. Yeah. And then yeah. when I went to Manchester, it was just the other day to see cousin Jane. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's <sighs> crazy. terrible. But in France, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Whole, yeah. North, South, East, West. It must be. Uh, yeah, well, maybe because we're new and we're just here to, to discover, just discover it all. Yeah. 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 So for balance, Natalia said we must have balance. Balance. Oh, yes. Um, are there any things that you don't like about living? over here in Switzerland. We love the yeah. fondue, but what is it that you do not like? For me, and it's specific to Suisse Romande, like the mm. French uh, speaking part, is that question, quelles sont vos origines? Mm. I've been to uh, Zug, I've been to Interlaken and other German speaking parts of Switzerland, and no one ever like does a drive-by, like sort of <laughs> like, where are you from? What are your origins? You know? <laughs> like, it's usually in the French speaking part. So that is one thing that I could do without. Um, and then what else? What what else don't I like about here? Actually, it took me a while because, I mean, when I first moved, I was like, oh, this is great. It's new. And then I didn't like it so much because in Geneva in particular, I realized that there are people from so many different places that I had a few negative, strong negative experiences. And I assumed that they were Swiss people or Geneva people right. or people from the region. And for a long time, I was like, I'm, I'm not going to be here much longer. And then I moved out of that funk and I realized that it's not the people from the region yeah. who are like that. It's usually people who are here mm. on assignment for a few years yeah. or, or something else. And yeah, stuff. there's lots of people in transit, isn't it? Yeah. we've got like the UN there and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, there's lots of people. Who yeah, definitely. Through. When you first arrived, did you have an idea in your head that you'd be here? for 12 13 years or was it like next couple of years Girl, no. and, yeah and for me that? in my brain is like okay i'm gonna save this much more and then i'm going back home yeah and then it's wow. like i'm gonna save this much more and i'm going back home oh maybe i'll go back home next year yeah. you know like i really thought that it was going to be like a short-term thing mm. like maybe five years yeah. max 
And then, like, yeah, 13 years later, I went through the entire citizenship process. Oh, have you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got the passport. And then, like, for me, it's like marriage, house, and child. That's the big anchor yes. that keeps you somewhere. Yeah. True. You know, True. it's not as yeah. easy to just pick up and leave no. anymore. Mm. And so I think a lot about... Uh, about my daughter and the environment that I want her to grow up in and stuff like that. And for the time being, our village is wonderful. So I don't see myself yeah. moving anytime yeah. soon. One last question. Back to um, what would you take? What would you take from Toronto? What would, or would, what would you bring from Toronto? Maybe something that you miss, but what do you love from Toronto that you wish that you could just pick up and put in Geneva? My mom's cooking. Oh, oh. yes. I, I, like yes. that's like my mother's cooking. My mouth is watering. Name some dishes. Come on, let's come on. Come on. My mom makes a wicked stew chicken. Mm. Last minute, like that. Even Thanksgiving turkey and stuff. When I was smaller, um, she used to make um, she used to make roti and curry chicken, and it was so good. Like oh. so, my mom's cooking um, a roti shop. Oh, if yeah. I could bring one here. A roti shop that also sells doubles, polari, and tamarind balls. Mm. Like I've heard of doubles. I've never had doubles. So Can you explain what doubles is for us, the people who don't know Trinidadian food? Uh, how would I explain doubles? It's like, um, it's like I guess you guys would call it like a... How do I explain it without sounding disrespectful to Trinis? Like, because <laughs> I can't say like a, a fried bread kind of thing. It's kind of fried and it's got like um, like curry and like I guess like split peas or something. Is peas. it is it like a stuffed dump? No, it's no. not stuffed. No, it's not stuffed. It's like I'll show you a, a Google photo yeah. afterward. Yeah. Everyone, and Google doubles right now. Doubles, yeah. And polari is just like um, I guess you would say dough balls, you mm. know. And like there's pepper sauce that goes mm. in and. The roti shop would also sell pepper sauce. Yeah. So I wouldn't, <laughs> I don't have to Come stop. Come on, we need some trees over here, <laughs> man. Love love your business. Trees. Come on, Trini. No, but it would definitely be food. Oh, I'd bring back food. Yeah, I, I just want that Trini business yes. person to come is over there anything here. when you when you go when you know when you were able to travel was there anything wh what would all what would you always bring back in terms of like going in your suitcase from toronto yes pepper sauce tamarind balls like oh my god uh what else when i first moved when I first moved, actually, I used to bring back hair products as well. Yes. Because I couldn't find as many hair <laughs> products here, and I didn't know, I didn't want to test anything new. I wanted to go with what, what was sure. Yeah. So hair products and food, tamarind balls and doubles. And the other thing, too, is that Toronto has a lot of Chinatowns. Oh, yeah. And I'm always curious, you know, whatever. So even when I was small, I used to go to uh, take the subway downtown and go to Chinatown on Spadina. And I discovered this thing called um, preserved prunes. Any of my friends listening to this, they're probably going to laugh now <laughs> because they're like Saida and her preserved prunes. Like, <laughs> was it like in a tin? It's, um, they sell them like in bulk or you can buy them in like this clear bag. And basically they're plums that are totally dried out. Yeah. I think they add maybe licorice or something else to it. It's Ooh. like sweet and sour. Most people think it's nasty, I but I love it so <laughs> yeah. much. So I used to bring those back as oh well. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, goodness. Saeeda, so right, let's wrap up. Thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. It's been so a huge interesting, pleasure. so stimulating. Yeah. 
Where can people find you online if people can follow you? What's your uh, social media? Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. And social media, I'm actually pretty bad. Um, Instagram and Facebook are like private accounts, but um, I'm on Twitter a little bit more now because I'm obsessed with Bitcoin Twitter. So <laughs> you can find me at Saida Gomez. I've got like maybe 40 followers or something. Yeah, make it 45, <laughs> someone. Come on, go people. and follow Saida. And of course, uh, you can go to my website, which is www.fosterinclusion.com. And my email address is Saida at fosterinclusion.com. Brilliant. Thank you so much. This was amazing. Sister from another mister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trini sister. Trini. (laughs) Sister from the island. (laughs) Listen, thank you so much. Everybody, um, je vous aime. Je vous aime. 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 Everybody, bon continuation, as we like to say. And uh, yeah, see you on the next episode. Thank you guys for listening. Bye. Bye.